Welcome to the What If Podcast, where we rewrite sports past, present, and future. We're your hosts, Eddie, Jeet, Cameron, and Michael. Four lifelong friends, each with a unique perspective on sports. And find out, what if Wayne Gretzky wasn't traded from the Edmonton Oilers to the Los Angeles Kings in 1988. All right, hey everybody, Cameron here. We are starting to do little intros to introduce the topics that we're talking about. I also do a little quick game or, you know, talk about something new that's happened to get you a little dive into our lives and talk about some fun topics and things. So today, before we get into Wayne Gretzky, we wanted to talk a little bit about our March Madness brackets. Uh, We just had the March Madness special come out last Tuesday. No nice song for you guys for me today, unless Michael adds it in. So we're sitting here recording this on Sunday. I just sat here and witnessed Illinois get upset. So we haven't seen all the rest of the games in the second round. So we just want to preface with that. But we just want to check in on our brackets and, and see how you guys are doing. I know we had some inside rivalry here as well that we wanted to touch base on. I'm doing just fine with that, by the way. Just throwing that out there. I'll kick it off to you guys. How are your brackets doing? I would like to start. Overall, my bracket is not doing well, but I think the bigger thing that I've learned in this process is that you have to really base it off emotion. And that was what Cameron told me last week as well. But another friend of mine told me this week that my bracket doesn't have enough romance in it. And I think that's very true. I thought I was going to be real smart and just go for the teams that I thought were most likely to win. But as we learned early on, it's always a toss up. And I should have just gone with the teams that I wanted to win. So I have regret about that. And I just want everyone to know that. But I wish I had said Michigan's going to take it all. I believe they will. I hope they will. And I wish I had my bracket reflected that. I wish I had said UCLA is going to make it to the deep, deep layers of this tournament. I wish I had said Ohio State was going to go out in the first round. I wish I had done all these things. So I'm left with a lot of regret in this process. but. Also a lot of lessons for the future. Thank you for your time, G. That was very passionate. I liked it. Michael, Eddie, what about you guys? I just wanted to apologize to Sister Jean in Loyola, Chicago, because I do recall. <laughs> I kind of bashed them in our last podcast and talked about who they played. And, oh, my gosh, they're going to be knocked out in the first round. But lo and behold, they beat my runner-up in the national championship, Illinois. So props to them, Loyal Chicago. They looked really good. Mizzou lost. I'm okay with it. Hopefully we'll be back in the next five years. Put a 50-50 shot on that. But Baylor looks really good. Just some other observations. I hope one other number one seed goes down, and just for the sake of it, whether it was OU or Mizzou, Gonzaga's going down round two, baby. Let's go. Right. That's right, Mike. I don't have any regrets. I'm not apologizing to anyone. Of course, Michigan State lost to UCLA. I was really bitter about that. But um, hey, you move on. With regards to how my bracket is looking, 
it looks not good because I predicted Illinois to win it all. And yeah, UCLA, I can't stand to see them in the tournament. I just have this thing when a team beats a team that I like, I have this deep disdain for them. So are you not one of the people that like want the team that knocked you out to win it all so that you say that, oh, I guess we weren't that bad? But I remember one year OU lost to UNC and that was the year they won the national championship. And I was just like, you know, we were the closest team to UNC. So therefore we were probably the second best in the tournament. Hmm. I feel that way sometimes, but I just think that UCLA is not that good of a team. And I don't think I would feel that good if they won. Like if we lost to like, let's say, a team that was recognized around the country, even though they may not have been highly ranked, but they were considered like, oh yeah, this is a solid team. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I don't know if Oklahoma State is appropriate. A team like that, and I don't think UCLA was that. If we lost to a team like that, then I'd, I'd feel better about that, but not UCLA, no. I want them to lose. That's fair. On the topic though, UCLA, Pac-12, Props to y'all, because I was not expecting the Pac-12 to do very well, because I didn't know literally anything about the Pac-12. But hey, so far, so good. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Michael. I didn't know much about the Pac-12 and definitely disrespected them in my bracket. <laughs> I would say overall, my bracket is looking okay. It was looking okay up until the last game on Saturday night. And I'm right there with you, Jeet. You said... You wish you had Ohio State out of the first round and you trusted them. Well, I trusted Texas. I had them in my final four and it came back to bite me. I trusted them. Am I happy that they're out of the tournament? A hundred million percent. Does it hurt my bracket? Yes, but I don't really care that much. So I definitely should have gone with uh, them losing in the first round. But uh, am I happy that they're gone? Absolutely. As an Arkansas fan and an Oklahoma fan. But everything else is shaping up nicely, I think. All the upsets, the crazy upsets that happened didn't damage my bracket too much outside of that last one. Even the Illinois loss earlier this morning. So pretty happy with that. But we had some rivalries here. I know that game last night between OU and Mizzou was, it was a tight one. Usually I'm like yelling and screaming and stuff. But last night I didn't say a word. Like the entire game I was just sitting there like hood up just frozen. It was a good game. So I thought both teams played really well. Did you guys like catch any other crazy games or anything? Like anything that like really caught your eye? I've watched a few of the games, but Loyola Chicago, very, very solid team. And you look at that bracket, you know, I had Villanova going out in the first round because of those injuries and who they played North Texas. So at some point, whoever they play in the sweet 16, may not be at their full strength or an incredible team. So it's very likely they can at least make another Elite Eight run. Yeah. We gave Eddie a lot of trouble for that. The Villanova going deep. They, their path is looking real sweet right now. So look, look at us. We're, we're just a bunch of idiots, you know? <laughs> Eddie's the smart one here. No, no, no. <laughs> so we've talked about Texas. Cameron's arch rival. We've talked about G Ohio State. Moving forward, round of 32, prediction. Kansas is going to lose, so Mizzou's our tribal. 
in addition, Michigan. I still think Michigan's going out round of 32. So Eddie's <sighs> our tribal. So all of our tribals are out in the round of 32. Sorry, G. How have your predictions been working out so far, Michael? Uh, I think 84%, something of the sort. So pretty confident. We'll see. We'll see. This year, like, I think the the bottom seeds, those teams that upset everybody, I mean, those teams are really good. I was watching that Texas game last night, and Abilene Christian plays really good defense, and they move the ball really well. Same goes with Loyola Chicago. And that dude from Ohio, Preston, I mean – I love seeing like all these little guys, they get to like show their worth on the big stage and just ball out. Like the two guys from Oral Roberts, you know, both dropped 30. Like it's so cool to see that in the big games and everything. So I hope they can go further. I think it'd be great. Any uh, closing remarks in regards to your March Madness bracket at the moment? There's two Big Ten, number 10 seeds still there. I think Rutgers can't recall the other one, but they play two seeds, right? Maryland is the other one. Maryland. My prediction, one of them goes through. And my prediction is Rutgers plays Houston. They beat Houston. Oof. That's all I have to say. My prediction is going to be that Michigan versus UCLA in the Elite Eight. And then Michigan's going to win and Michigan's going to win it all. Interesting prediction. I still stand by my prediction from last episode that a Big Ten team will win it all. We still have Michigan, Michigan. Rutgers, Maryland. You're counting on Michigan. How does that make you feel? I'm not counting on Michigan. (laughs) It's going to be Rutgers. Oh, my goodness. Wait and see. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, my prediction is Arkansas is going to play OU in the national championship and my marriage will be ruined forever. It's been really fun doing all this March Madness stuff. So we'll get to the episode here. It's a good episode and talk about the NHL, which I think all four of us don't know a ton about the NHL. I think I probably watched the most out of any of us. All right. Enjoy the episode. This one, I wanted to change it up, bring a little NHL into our lives, and talk about Wayne Gretzky. Anyone know what his nickname is? The Goat? The Jet? <laughs> Wayne the Jet. <laughs> no, it's... <laughs> his nickname is The Great One. Imagine being called The Great One. Anyways, all right, so my question is based on... What if Wayne Gretzky never got traded to the Kings? Just a short background about Wayne Gretzky. Obviously, his name is the great one because he is the greatest one. This is not NBA. This is not a LeBron James or Michael Jordan conversation. There is no other. He is the GOAT. All right? I just want to read some stats out to you. So out of the best scoring seasons and scoring goals, he has four of the top ten best seasons ever. And the highest he scored was 92. These are in 82-game seasons. So he scored over a goal a game. Ten of the top 11 assist seasons, which assists in hockey 
it's based on like two passes. So it's a little bit different than like basketball and soccer where it's like one leading pass. So two people typically get assists on one goal. But so in an 82 game season, he has 10 of the top 11 assist seasons. And the highest he had was 163. The next highest was Mario Lemieux had 114. That was eight. So he has the seven best assist seasons ever. Finally, he has eight of the top 10 point seasons. So points in hockey are goals plus assists. And so his highest was 215 points in a season. And the next was Mario Lemieux at 199. So that was fifth. Wayne Gretzky is the only player to score over 200 points in a season, and he has done it four times. Let's just breathe that in for a second. That's insane. So in 1988, the Oilers were coming off their fourth championship in five years, and they traded away Wayne Gretzky to the Los Angeles Kings. Wayne Gretzky was 27 at the time. It was Wayne Gretzky, Mike Krushoninsky, and Marty McSorley for Jamie Carson, their current first-round pick, which is Martin Gellinus, and the first-round picks in 1989, 1991, 1993, and $15 million. So this was a big-time trade. $15 million in 1988. Just breathe that in for a second also. A lot of breathing. So Wayne Gracie at this time, so he was 27. He had set the single-season record for goals which was 92, assists 163, and points, which is 215, all before this happened. He was the league's all-time assist leader at 27 years old, and he was 218 goals and 181 assists from becoming number one all-time in those two categories. So this is the type of dominance he had. When he got traded to the Kings, the Kings had missed three of the past six playoffs, and they hadn't won a series since 1982, so about six years. And they went to the postseason for the first five years he was in Los Angeles, and they went to the finals in 1993. So Grassy was still playing really well at this time. He won one more MVP, which is the Hart Trophy. He won three more Art Ross trophies, which is the point leader. And he won three Lady Bing trophies, which is like a combination of best sportsmanship and overall ability. So this brings me to my first question. What happens to the Oilers' dynasty if he doesn't get traded? So before the trade, they went to five of the last six finals. They won four of them. And after the trade, the last time they won the finals was 1990, so two years after the trade. And they went to a couple more conference finals, and then they didn't make it back to even the conference finals until they went to the finals in 2006. I know we weren't alive during this time, but like based on hearing just a little bit of background, what do you think about the Oilers franchise if they would have kept him? Was there a reason for the trade? I'm not really sure. There was a couple different things about it. There are some articles that I was reading saying that he wanted to get traded because he wanted to bring the NHL to America kind of thing or he had just married, got married, and his wife was an actress. So being in Hollywood would have been really good. But I've seen a lot of other things saying, like, no, like they were fielding offers for him from a bunch of other different teams. And, like, this is the greatest player ever in hockey. So, you know, maybe they thought that deal was 
the greatest deal ever. They did get how many first-round picks and so much money for them. So if they would have used those picks right, they would have been good for decades if they would have played their cards right. So I wonder if it was maybe a combination of the two. I didn't dive into it too much because I know like that's like another conversation of who came first, the chicken or the egg kind of a thing. So you said he was 27 when he got traded to the Kings, right? Mm-hmm. And how long was he at Edmonton before he moved to the Kings? I think it was like seven or eight years, maybe. Mm. And then, like in hockey, what's considered like someone's prime? I mean, about there. Probably similar to like baseball where it's like 22 to like 29 or 30. I mean, he was, he was right in the middle of it. Let's see. All right. So he had been there nine years. So the season before, he had 183 points, which in hockey terms, if you score 100 points in a season, you had a really good season. I mean, he's putting up 62 goals, 121 assists, so a total of 183 points. That's absurd. And they traded him. Granted, that was down from the year before when he set the record at 215. So the year after they traded him, he had 149 points. So he did drop off a little bit. This is what I think. I think it helps that I watched The Last Dance to kind of help me understand some things and the way how, like, they treated Scottie Pippen with the Bulls. Because this may have to do with, like, upper-level management and how they think that teams that have been so successful and they have established a dynasty of sorts that the general manager, whoever's in charge, feels like they need to do a rebuild instead of wait for the team to go into a decline. So I'd really like to know the general manager of the Oilers at this time and what they were thinking and whether or not they felt that by letting Wayne Gretzky go was part of that rebuild. Yeah. You always hear the term sports as a business. Like I agree with you saying like general managers and owners, they always have a knack of being like trying to stay ahead of it and saying, hey, by getting rid of Wayne Gretzky, and replacing his salary with all those other players and draft picks and things like that and surrounding him with the talent that they already had the team. By the way, all of Edmonton's Hall of Famers, there's seven of them, were on that team for all of those championships. They were still there for the 1990 championship besides Wayne Gretzky. Maybe bringing those other guys in, you know, you bring in a youth movement and, you know, that can build you up. You're probably right where they thought that by shopping him at this time when he's maybe declining a hair, but also still really good enough to them to get a huge haul for him. So I think you're right, Eddie. I had no idea about this topic beforehand, I'm not going to lie. To my extent of hockey knowledge, it was basically from the Blues of 2001 until probably 2005. I am curious, was the conference similar to the Eastern Conference with LeBron James, like how for, what, eight straight years that he would go to the finals and Brandon not win everyone, but is it kind of the same premise? Like, because, I mean, it's also, you have so many Hall of Famers. Was it just basically a cakewalk to get to the finals in their conference? I don't know about that. You really don't see too many dynasties like that in hockey in the way that, like, you see LeBron go to the finals every year. I mean, Alex Ovechkin and, like, Sidney Crosby – 
arguably the two best players in the NHL right now. I mean, they don't go to finals. That I mean, I Sidney Crosby was won two or three, I think, and Ovechkin has finally won one. But it took them a really long time to get that, and you know they don't go every year. Like that just doesn't happen. So for them to go five of six, win four of them, go back to back like two separate times. That's crazy. But, and I will say another thing, that team was historically good. Like Golden State Warriors, historically good. The first season, which really kicked off the dynasty, which is the 1983-84 season, they set a record that still stands today. And that was, they scored 446 goals. And that's in an 82-game season. So that is over five and a half goals a game. Absolutely bonkers. And so they are putting up these numbers like every year. They were the first NHL team to ever have three people score over 50 goals in a season. And then they had a defenseman right behind them who had scored 40 for like the second time in NHL history. So I don't know the answer to your question. I don't know if the level of play for some of the other teams in their conference that they were playing in, in the playoffs were comparable to like the Eastern Conference duds that LeBron was blowing over going to the finals. But I think their numbers have to prove a little bit of, no, this team was insanely good. Yeah. I guess what my knowledge of hockey is, I feel like you can have very random teams come in and win the cup. I wouldn't say it's always the case that the top seed or top two seeds are going to win, similar to, like, say, the NBA. You have a lot more volatility, I feel like, in the NHL. Like, what does the role of a dynasty in hockey look like compared to another sport? I feel like, like you said, Cameron, it's not very common. So when you have it, why give it up if it was more voluntary instead of mandatory? Right. Yeah, I agree with Michael. I think the comparison I'm also making is with Michael Jordan. Like, I'm imagining if Michael Jordan got traded from the Bulls after his, like, fourth championship. I feel like if you have the best player in the game, you shouldn't trade him, period, in my opinion. And while he's still in his prime, you don't see any serious issues. I don't think you should trade the best player in the game. So I think to answer your question of what would have happened to this all-powerful team if had they kept the greatest player of all time, I think maybe we're already talking about them as one of the greatest teams of all time in any sport, but I think they would for sure be in that conversation, like probably number one if they had held on to him. Yeah, I think the hard thing to know too is I don't really know like where the balance of like the salary cap was then. Like, would they have been able to keep some of the other pieces if they would have kept him? Like, you don't know, like, are they able to keep Grant Fuhrer, which was their Hall of Fame goalie, or Paul Coffey, the defenseman, scoring 40-plus goals two or three seasons there? You know, you don't know if you're able to hold on to those guys. Like, I wish I would have been alive to watch this team play because they're so good. And it's not that they scored, like, a ton of goals and had no defense because they had a Hall of Fame goalie. All right, so that's focused on Edmonton. So I want to bring it to my second question here, and this is a little bit different direction, but how Wayne Gretzky moving to the Kings affected the NHL. So he moved to L.A., the biggest market out there outside of maybe New York, and so this basically put the NHL on the map. I was reading an interview of one of the guys who sold season tickets, and they were saying that they usually, in August, like on a normal August day, 10 phone calls a day about season tickets. 
And that's around the time when he got traded was in August. And he said they were fielding thousands of phone calls a day because the best player in the world is coming to Los Angeles. And so this put NHL on national TV in the United States. NHL this time was very Canadian. And so for Wayne Gretzky to be on a Canadian team in Edmonton, it was like the United States really didn't care that much. So this also really helped create the expansion of new markets. So in 1979, they had a merger with the WHA. The Kings were the only team west of Minnesota in the NHL. After the trade of Wayne Gretzky during the 90s, when he was beginning his career in Los Angeles, there were five franchises that were added, Tampa Bay and the Florida Panthers, and then two in California, San Jose Sharks, Anaheim Ducks, and then the Arizona Coyotes, or Phoenix Coyotes. I don't remember which one it's called now. So him being introduced in such a big market, especially in the southwest part of America, they said that, like reading different articles, that he made a huge difference in people becoming more interested in hockey in the southwest and the Sun Belt region. And so after that trade, those five were added during the 90s, but overall 10 teams were added to the NHL, and they're now up to 30 teams. So the question that I wanted to put forth was, if he would have stayed in Canada his whole career, do you see the NHL being one of the bigger sports today? I mean, I know it's still below baseball, basketball, and football, but it's still considered one of the big four in the United States. What this has made me think of was from my time in LA, if I compare that to my time in Michigan, the amount of Red Wings jerseys I see here is way, way, way higher than any Kings stuff I've ever seen in LA. I've only been in Michigan for a year and I was in LA for four years. I think that is actually a testament to Gretzky because I feel like if he didn't come to LA, then it wouldn't even be on the map. Whereas now, at least, it exists, even if it's not super popular. But I feel like maybe if he hadn't come to America, then there would be no hockey south of Detroit anywhere. <laughs> so I think had he stayed in Edmonton, I believe that judging by my anecdotal experience of American interests in sports, I think hockey is too far low to have survived without having the greatest player of all time in America. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. This is a fascinating topic because I also think about the individual. So like his impact in the NHL, which I had no idea about. But I also think, I wonder if this was then more of a personal choice because who knows with salary cap and everything, but if it was a personal choice, maybe he wanted that. He had a personal stake in the matter with his wife wanting to become an actress. But perhaps he wanted to get out of the Edmonton, create his own legacy, because perhaps it was always tied into the incredible six other Hall of Famers on a certain team. But then I also think, like, you think about the best players of all time in any sport, the greatest of all time. I personally have not really ever heard Wayne Gretzky when it comes to watching TV shows when they talk about it, even be in the conversation. Now I kind of find that remarkable, given how many records he holds. And not just the records, but also apparently the impact. Because I feel like following Jeets, what he said, I, I would agree. I mean, his impact is profound. He goes to L.A. There is nothing out west. Teams enter pretty soon after because of that. And he turns a very bad team into a contending team at the very least. I mean. Yeah. I think Jeet and Michael said some really good things. 
to answer your question about if uh, Wayne Gretzky had stayed in Edmonton, if NHL would still be relevant. Like, I don't, I don't think it would be relevant. It kind of reminds me of like when David Beckham, when he came to America for the MLS. Like, I think a large part of that significant wave of expansion teams that came from the time he was playing to the time that he retired, I think that is an attributing factor to the success of Major League Soccer. So I think the same can be said with Wayne Gretzky, you know, just someone who was so successful in hockey coming to America. This is a great topic. I can't believe I'm talking hockey. This is <laughs> odd for me. I'm sure you've heard of Wayne Gretzky, but did you know, like, status of Wayne Gretzky and, like, how amazing he was? I knew he was good. Like, I got introduced to Wayne through Sam. That's it. <laughs> like, he, like, he gave you his number or something? <laughs> oh, no. I got introduced to Wayne Gretzky through, through Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, his his status, his achievements. Yeah, I knew he was considered the greatest hockey player of all time, but I had no idea the difference between him and number two was that big. There's no other sport where you could unequivocally say there's one person that's so far ahead of every other person. And his stats have held up for 30 years now, almost yeah. 40. Like that, that doesn't happen. In that case, do you think, like, he gets a short end of the stick, pun intended, with being the GOAT? Not just the GOAT of hockey, but the GOAT of any sport. I mean, Cameron, do you think he's slighted in that? Yeah, I mean, he might. Just because, you know, hockey isn't as big as some of those other sports, because you think about how competitive and how much people pay attention to football, basketball, baseball, that, you know, hockey would kind of be left behind and become an afterthought. So, you know, the records might become more of an afterthought, too. It's hard to ignore, like, if I've done something that no one else in the world has ever done, and I've done it four different times, that blows my mind. I feel like the only comparison would have been Lance Armstrong. Yeah. This makes me want to watch hockey, honestly. Yeah, this was a fun topic to research just because I, I wasn't alive to see it play out, you know. For my last topic, the Tom Brady one, you know, I was here witnessing it every single Sunday. Cameron, I'm curious if you're going to continue the GOAT trend, because I feel like it's two in a row of going for Brady in football, and then you go for Gretzky in hockey. I wonder who's next. Yeah, maybe. Michael Beasley. Yay! Ah! <laughs> right. <laughs> what if Michael Beasley doesn't play in China last year? Or I don't know. Which year did he play in China? Am I missing something? Are you, are you like, you like Michael Beasley a lot, Cameron? No, I, I think it's the first day Michael pulled out of his butt. Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Stay tuned as we continue to reimagine the world of sports.